Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This holiday season, give yourself the ultimate gift of getting a good night's sleep this holiday with Next Evo Naturals fast absorbing CBD products. Next Evo's stress CBD complex gummies are clinically proven to have four times better absorption than standard CBD and no other CBD brand can promise that. When you get a good night's sleep and you reduce your stress, you're just a little bit better at handling some of the things thrown your way during the holiday season. Next Evo's Smart Sorb technology delivers CBD to your system in as little as 10 minutes, which is unlike any other CBD brand. Regular CBD oil works more slowly because of how our bodies process oil-based ingredients compared to water-soluble supplements. And regular CBD only achieves 2 to 10% absorption, so over 90% of what you think you're getting is actually going to waste. SmartSorb upgrades CBD's natural absorption power. It's scientifically formulated to deliver more CBD fast, the only brand clinically proven to deliver 30 times better absorption in the first 30 minutes. So get smarter CBD from Nextevo Naturals. Get up to 25% off subscription orders of $40 or more at nextevo.com slash podcast with the promo code HUMANS. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O dot com slash podcast, promo code HUMANS. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and today we are continuing the conversation from the most recent episode about girls, particular challenges and flourishing that happens with girls' brains in adolescent development and the challenges that have occurred in anxiety, depression, and social media. And we're talking about the solutions now because we don't just wanna talk about what is going wrong, but what can go right and all the tools that we have to help support our girls. So I'm continuing this discussion with Donna Jackson Nakazawa, who wrote Girls on the Brink, and I'm so excited to keep talking about this. So don't forget to DM me and ask any questions that you have. And of course, give a rating, preferably five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. It's always helpful to help get the word out. And I'm so thrilled to be able to offer you Raising Good Humans podcast, premium exclusive content on Apple Podcasts. You find it where you find Raising Good Humans, and you can subscribe and get bite-sized nuggets and specific clear content about topics. Currently, we're doing discipline, so it's a whole 
season just on discipline. All the approaches, not just one, what's effective, what's ineffective, what the research tells us, and what works best for our individual families and children. And next up will be resilience. So I look forward to meeting you there. First of all, we still have to impose limits on our kids. We still have to make sure that they're built for a little wobble, right? Like we can't jump in and fix everything for them. And we want to make sure that we don't do that, that we allow them to have some of their anxieties and to figure some things out because that too is scaffolding that the brain will need later. And you can't, it's hard to go back later when you're 25 and build in like, oh, what do I do when my paper is late? Do you know what I mean? Like we have to allow some of that wobble to fit in there. And I write a lot about that, but let me just run through some. I'm going to be quick, right? Listen more and talk a lot less. Give a lot (laughs) less advice. I'm going to try to do this really fast. When our kids are little, we jump in as the fixer of the detective and that's our job, right? Like, where did you fall down? What happened? Let me see it. Here's the Bactine. Do people use Bactine anymore? Here are the Band-Aids. No, that's funny. I don't know. You know, let's do it. Let's take care of this. Oh, you know, this happened at school. I will call the teacher so that she knows you have a sprained wrist and you can't write with your right hand. That's our job. But as kids are coming into puberty and adolescence and so much is coming at them, as we talked about, we need to offer up that attunement that we talked about because teens only voice themselves when they feel heard. And if you factor in everything we've said, that they're trying to figure out everything that they're feeling or how to discern what's safe or not safe or how to respond when they feel under threat, At an earlier age where the brain isn't tuned up for it, they really need time to be heard. So tricks, your child comes to you and, you know, hey, this happened at school and this was terrible. And, you know, somebody texted this to me and, you know, I don't know what to do about it. What should I do? Hey, I promise you, I'm going to tell you what I think. But right now, what you think is so much more important than what I think. I want to hear about that. And then I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Always build in this time for them to feel seen and known and that they matter, that what they are thinking matters so that then they can tell you what's really bothering them. Then you can know what really happened and what went on. And guess what? You are literally firing and wiring up not only their ability to handle stuff on their own, but your connection. It's a double win. All right. Should I keep going? Yes, keep going. Okay. And you know, one thing about that is that especially, I mean, it even starts as early as preschool, right? As soon as your children have experiences outside the home and then come home and report them, we can get into the habit of being incredibly judgmental and have all the answers right away. Yeah. And it's such a good practice, like you said, to, you know, say less, listen more, and then also to believe in them that, you know, of yes. course, I'm here to give you what I think, but more importantly than this micro moment of making sure I give you a teachable lesson about why I think that kid was doing the wrong thing and this kid's doing the right thing is to give you the confidence of buying your own feelings and also not feeling like the world is constantly sitting in judgment all the time. 
Yes, to build up that sense of competency. You know, when we're constantly jumping in to tell them what we think, often based on our own wounds, right? Often based on our own wounds, we rob them of the time to think about what they think. And we also rob them of this incredible gift that we as parents can give them, which is to feel competent about their own observations, about their own responses, about their own emotional perceptions, right? So two really good ways to, since we're on that, to help build in this sense that what they think really matters is to remember that at this age, kids are super, super hypervigilant when they think they're going to get any kind of like observation about them, their behavior, what they did or said that is assessing or evaluating or critiquing, right? And so that's no surprise. That's a big part of adolescence. And since girls, researchers I talked to said, since girls are already growing up in a gendered society where girls get many more critiques than boys just walking down the street, smile or nice dress or ugly dress, whatever, you know, amplified on social media, as we said, we really want to make sure that our language is praising and seeing the positive characteristics, the good person traits, as you would say, the good human traits in their words and their actions and their deeds. And of course, I'm not the first person to say this. You know, we don't want to be saying like, yay, you were number one on the track today, or you got the top score in math. Whoa, go you. You know, we want to be sending that message that their job is to grow up to be a good person. And the sentiment that I like to leave parents with when I'm talking to parent groups, this sounds a little maudlin, but I really mean it. The things that you are praising and seeing in your kids should have the sentiment that you would want them to have if they found these written in notes after you were no longer here. And when you bear that in mind, that is really what our kids need from us to have that sense that we believe in them, it it can help us step back from that moment where we want to say, you got the award, I knew you would. Yeah, we all want to say that. It's exciting when our kids win things. We're parents, it's okay. But to give them that message that we are not part of this machine, this world, that is giving them extrinsic reward. We are part of the network, the connection, that fiber that connects us to our children and the ones we love. And on that fiber, that thread that connects us, you're seeing their intrinsic worth. We know how good they are, as you said a minute ago. Another really great way to do this is from a very early age, like you said, preschool, Build in a different way of coming at ideas. And this is really something that I talked to Alison Gopnik out at Berkeley about. Kids are built with this sense of wonder, what she calls lantern-like consciousness. Like they can see lots of things all around them all the time. And we, as we get older, we get like this flashlight consciousness, like, okay, I'm getting this done today. This is my to-do list. I could show it to you right now. Like, you know, it's got Sharpies and color coding and it's just a flashlight of consciousness. 
But we lose something in doing that, right? We lose that lantern-like consciousness of wonder, of standing in a field and seeing the blue heron and the wind picking up and feeling we're connected to everything. Kids are born with that. We got to take it away from them. But we can keep it alive. We can keep it alive just by adding in a kind of vocabulary from a very young age. And it's never too late. It's never too late to start it. I know that because I started it really late. I wonder, like, I wonder what a bird feels like in the rain or, you know, I wonder why it is that X is happening. Why is that purple line across the sky? Whatever it is in over time, this can become, you know, I wonder what it's going to be like after the pandemic and kids begin to internalize, as we know, our talk, our way of seeing the world, our verbiage. I know my kids do. And it becomes internalized that we are not a family that has judged other people and the world. We are a family that can say, I wonder why Jane texted a picture of her cleavage to John, or I wonder how we're, you know, I wonder how this person on social media is making their money, or I wonder what her life is like when she's not taking selfies. Or I wonder why so many people clicked on this article, or I wonder how I feel after I was on Instagram. I think I don't feel good, right? So these are just some little ways that we can start to open up conversations that pull back on this evaluative, performative world, which is stacked with extrinsic values and bring our girls and our sons and our daughters and all children, wherever they are, bring them to a place where it's what's happening inside of them. They make that essential leap. What is happening inside of me and who I am is more important than what I am being told so that over time, even a super well-loved girl's sense of herself doesn't diminish in the face of all this exterior judgment and messaging. I know. And I, there's more that I want you to have time for. And I would just pitch that in the process of wondering for people who are like, well, how will I teach them the lesson of not sending their cleavage if I'm not saying that Jane, good who's catch, her good catch. To, yeah. <laughs> Jane who sent her cleavage yes. to John, if I don't say, well, Jane obviously doesn't, you know, doesn't have parents paying attention or Jane obviously just needs lots of attention and, you know, criticizing Jane or any of those things. Or if you ever did that, just know that fill in the blank as tempting as that is. And I've definitely done it. Yes. As tempting as that is, the more times you don't do that, you are offering your child, not only the opportunity to figure out how they feel about it, how their nervous system feels about it, and to trust that because they haven't had the practice. Right. But you're also helping them deeply believe that the world isn't as nasty to them when they make a mistake as they will think the world is if you sit around the dinner table crapping on everybody. And now a word for my sponsor. If you're a fan of it, sushi is delicious. I happen to be a fan. But gas station sushi, not so much. Finding the right sushi makes all the difference. The same goes for finding the right doctor. Now, I am not saying that doctors and sushi are the same thing. I'm just saying that a good one is one of the most incredible experiences you can have. 
and you do not want a doctor that isn't the right one for you. And with ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighborhood. One that makes you feel like you're in good hands, you're supported, you're heard, even if you're telling them about your favorite sushi place. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. What more do you need? Find and review local doctors and read verified patient reviews from real people who made the appointments. And go to ZocDoc.com to find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Make your health a priority, but make it a priority that's realistic for you to achieve because you have this easy way to find the right doctors who take your insurance and who can see you and they're near you. Go to ZocDoc.com humans and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search to the top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com humans. ZocDoc.com humans. You know, it can be very hard to hear your child spewing venom about an action that someone took. And yet we might even feel proud of them because we're like, oh, see, they know that's trashy or they know that's the wrong move. But in the process, you have to wonder if they're being that hard on other people, how must they be toward themselves in their own heads? Two thoughts on that. Go for it. Judgment and rumination and blaming. It can go two ways. It can go to the outer world or it can go inside. Girls are more likely to take it inside and against Mm -hmm. themselves. So know that. And also, you know, girls told me that they get it, that they're growing up in an era. And I use a term here that, you know, I call starling parents because starlings are birds that like kick other babies out of the nest and put their own in there so that they can compete for resources. They know that even though we're saying like, oh, oh, Sally's mother loves you and we want them to be part of community and be close friends with other girls and other families, they also know that let's say they're out on the field at a lacrosse game or whatever you know sport your child does, parents are rabid for their child to make the goal. They get it that there's only X spots for cum laude at school or X spots at Harvard. They know that parents are positioning their child for that rarefied opportunity and they feel it. So they know that even though we're saying you're part of this very loving community, all these people have your back, they also get it. And part of it, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because what you said is so powerful. They also know it because of the way we talk about each other. So if we are sitting there as parents and we're going, oh my God, I can't believe she did that. Like, where are her parents? Or we see this come up a lot around therapy for kids, right? Like, oh my God, she's seeing a therapist. What is going on? She's 13. She's 14. When we want to see the opposite, we want to see the normalizing of therapy because therapy, guess what? We talked about bringing down the body and brain stress machinery so that the immune system doesn't get all amped up and we don't begin to see these changes in the body and the brain. Well, guess what? Talk therapy, we have really good evidence now, a body of work out of UCLA, George Slavich. It brings down those inflammatory factors that we don't want to see. It literally shifts the body's and the brain's stress machinery. 
in healthy ways toward what, we, you know, that kind of balance that we want to see during puberty and adolescence. So kids know to use the therapy, for instance, oh my God, if I go and I say to my parents, hey, I something doesn't feel right. I think I need to talk to somebody. Because by the way, we're not supposed to do it all alone, people. Like as parents, you know, I talk to a lot of moms who think I should have all the answers. If my kid isn't doing well, I'm failing. We evolved as community. We aren't actually supposed to have every answer inside our little brain. As a mom, we actually are not supposed to be able to do that. We are supposed to reach out for help. And so if our daughter comes to us and says, oh, I think I need to talk to somebody, ask yourself, is she going to do that if what she hears in the car at the dinner table is, oh, I just can't believe that kid fell apart or couldn't come to school for a week because whatever. No. Wow. You know what? I hope she's okay. I'm so glad to hear that she's getting some help. And you know, if you ever needed to talk to somebody, I think that's so great. And by the way, I have therapy tomorrow. Exactly. I'll be gone for two hours because I really need that tune-up. I really need that tune-up so that I can be more of who I want to be with all the stressors that I'm facing. So I think everything we're talking about here has this commonality of offering openings for connection and safety, but not to the extent, of course, that we aren't still imposing limits or meeting our own needs, right? So it's that um, magic middle that we're looking for. And there are ways, there are discrete ways through conversation and through the words we use. Here's a concrete tool that yes. is not about talking and I love talking but here's another thing that another tool that you talked about which was just exquisite and this is for kids we're taught for whom talking is not their thing sure and or it's an addition to that because there are moments when words are not adequate or in the service of connection. And I guess I should say that could be true in general. Connection and attunement doesn't mean that it's necessarily engaging with words. You can do that. Anybody who's in a relationship with any human or animal knows that connection can happen from just being in the same room, breathing at the same yes. in the same way, sharing a touch of the hand or a laugh. Connection comes in so many different shapes and sizes. And also, you have one exercise, which I just thought was so cool that I just- I know what you're going to say. (laughs) Is this the writing techniques for girls? Yes. Yes, Well, so (laughs) just to jump in here. So for many years before the pandemic even, I've taught a narrative writing program at universities, medical schools, therapy conferences for parents, for patients, you know, a lot of major universities. And during the pandemic, I tried to deliver it to as many people as I could, right? Because we were all pretty grim and we needed some ways to discharge some of our stressors that we were going through as adults and parents and so on. And in the process of that, I saw such profound changes in our students 
And I began to think as I was doing the girls book, like, what would this look like for girls? And so I talked to girls about it. And the exercise that is most powerful, and there are reasons for this, just to be clear, we could have a whole other podcast about the power of narrative writing for healing the brain. If you have the right tools, right prompts, the right guidance, you can do it. It's not going to cost you $5 million, you know, or it's just, it's doable. It's actionable. But for girls, here's what I suggest. And here's what works for the girls with whom I spent a lot of time. If your daughter is having trouble expressing things, but you just know, like we're parents, we know things are not okay, but she is not going to be able to talk to you about it at this time, which is okay. There can be good reasons for that. Or you're not in a place where you can hear about it right then and you recognize you're going to do more harm than good. I suggest that you ask your daughter, give her some paper and a pencil and ask her to set the timer. If it feels right for her, it has to be her choice for 10 minutes and write down everything that she wants to throw out there. It can be as ugly and judgmental about everything and everybody, and by the way, including you, as she needs it to be. Remember, words are on the page are not always meant entirely. The power of writing in this way expressively, not lift your pencil off the page, just tell her, keep your pencil on the page, Write it all out, whatever comes to you, just let it channel from your brain to the tips of your fingers, on into the pencil, onto the page. Go for 10 minutes. Don't worry about who you're hurting. Don't worry about how mad you are. Don't worry about how deep your feelings are or how ugly. There's only one rule. You may not write negatively about yourself. For these I love that minutes, part. I love that part so much. And because then you're what? not wiring in. Yes. You're not wiring in the practice of yes, crapping on yourself. That is not what this is for, right? And a lot of times girls use their diaries to talk about everything they did wrong and their doubts about themselves. But it turns out that's not really great for us. It is great, it turns out, to throw off a lot of our feelings about things in the world that we feel are not fair or what we think other people might have said or done that they shouldn't do. We're trying to get away from what happens for girls in the brain, which is when things go down, when they don't feel good, they are more likely than boys to lash in, right? That kind of anxiety and fear has two places to go, out or in. Girls tend to take it in in and to ruminate. We can see this in the brain, in the left amygdala of the female developing brain, the left amygdala lights up more than it does in boys. And that is associated with rumination and depression. So we want to break that. And it turns out that this writing exercise breaks that rumination. It unloads it and it breaks that inaction, that cycle of thinking in the brain. So then here's what's key, parents. This is my favorite part. (laughs) This, This is my favorite part and why it's not just any writing exercise. At the end of these 10 minutes, you do not go near this piece of paper. You ask your daughter in front of you or without you, rip it into 1,000, rip it in as many pieces as she possibly can. Heck, if you want to walk outside and you're not in a high fire area, you know, burn it. 
whatever she wants to do. And this turns out to be really important too, because it's a letting go of that negativity. It's a saying, okay, I did this. I got this off my chest, rip, rip. And you are not, you may not go and try to put those pieces back together from her trash can. No. Then you're going to ask her to set the timer for another 10 minutes and write about how, what, in this experience, what is it that she feels she can draw meaning from for the future? What has she done in the past in these situations that helped her? How has she dealt with other tough things in her life and come through? How is this playing into her story of her own resilience and her own ability to come through difficult things in a way that has meaning for her? Oh, okay, I'm a kind of person who can have this happen and then realize that I can do X, Y, or Z and be okay. That's the exercise. I just love it so much. I really do. I think also because the talking part is so critical. And yet there there are so few exercises that can get to kids in a different way. And some people are not disclosers or they are, but this helps prompt them. Or, you know, what I also think is interesting about this is that you can take a moment of high stress and use it as an example of a skill that you can grow, of some actionable thing you can do along with other actionable things. But just the more we have in our toolbox of this is how my body's feeling, this is what's going on, oh, I recognize this, this is something that I can do that's my own. Yes, and no one is going to read it, no one is going to ask me about it, and it's a tool that kids can use again and again. And to reiterate, we're not setting the rules here. You know, your daughter might say, well, I'll do that for three minutes. Okay, three minutes, go. Like, they are setting the rules. This is not you as the schoolmistress standing over them going, 10 minutes, go. And now a word for my sponsor. Everyone who knows me knows that I am such a believer in supporting parents through evidence-based tools. And that support can come in many forms, but I am passionate about parent groups. I founded my own parent groups in 2007, and I am so attached to them. They become family, and they are so beautiful growing together. And it's the support that we know research tells us parents need in order to be the best parents they can be. In particular, parent groups can be life-changing. And there's a new place where parents can join groups. Cooper. Cooper offers wonderful parent groups. They're virtual for your convenience based on actual science and research. And I personally know the team who's written their entire curriculum. So I know that their expert group leaders and content are wonderful. Visit them at yourcooper.com. That's Y-O-U-R cooper.com and use the code humans at checkout for a special 40% off at Cooper membership. And you too can have a community of support based in science and there for you in this journey. Can we go through a couple antidotes that are related to the wider community? Absolutely. Let's do it. So we talked about, we talked a little bit about normalizing talk therapy, right? So that 
is absolutely something that is in the external community. Even if it's just a counselor at school, we can also bring in schools. There's a great movement in schools during the pandemic that I really want to cheerlead for called Handle with Care. And it's where teachers send home a notice to parents on back to school night. And it says, hey, you know, just send me a message if your child's facing something. And you don't have to give me any details. I will just keep my eyes out and handle. And all you have to do is send me an email actually that says handle with care. And I will keep my eyes peeled. And it's really important in a world in which we have so much coming at kids that we try to create community with schools because we tend to see if our kid is struggling with anxiety or anything that's mental health related, that somehow it's on us. We talked about that earlier. We're the parent. We fail. We don't want anyone to know. It might harm their chances of being asked on the travel you know, debate team or whatever. But we wouldn't do that if we were talking about letting their coach know that they fractured a bone in their shin. We would let them know. And to invite that kind of conversation, because we think we will know when our kids are struggling, but in fact, studies show that we actually don't. (laughs) So 90% of parents think, I'll know if my kid isn't doing well, I'll be the first one to see the signs. But in fact, it's really hard for parents to differentiate between what is worrisome and what's just a child's normal ups and downs, right? Especially when we have a child who's going quiet on us. So I really have seen some great movements in the school communities for opening up conversations with parents. There are some schools that have put not just a school counselor, because we don't have way too few school counselors. In school. Yes, we do. Compare, you know, somehow there's always money for school shooter drills, but not for school counselors. But some schools are uh. starting to get the picture and bring in, you know, a therapist to the school that kids can walk in and chat with anytime in a way that we see on college campuses. And we do need to be doing this at earlier ages. But if all of that, you're thinking, you know, my kid just does not need that kind of intervention. They don't need outside therapy. I don't need to talk to the teacher about anything. My kid is just, you know, facing some normal things and, you know, is getting a little quiet. Here's a really great thing that the girls I interviewed talked to me about, and so did the public health researchers, as being highly neuroprotective. Help your daughter figure out who are some of what I call the avatars of strong females in the community that she thinks are really interesting to her. I use avatar here in a really old-fashioned way, okay? Long before it was a movie, (laughs) it was a Hindu term to describe a being that he is here on this earth to help a younger being come into their own full power and enlightenment and find their passions. So I mean an avatar like that, like a mentor, a benefactor. And we can be that. We can see that there's a young girl in our lives who's really interested in the photography on our walls. And we can say, hey, you know, it looks like you like this photographer. I'd love to show you a book of her work. And if you ever want to talk about it, let me know. We can ask our daughters, well, you know, who do you think are some cool women? Like, let's have them for dinner. Or you're really interested in slam poetry. You know, so-and-so is a friend of so-and-so. 
you should have a coffee with her. Now, the important thing here too is your child has to choose. It can't be, I'm going to have a coffee with Aunt Susie because mom thinks I should go to Harvard. Yeah. No, no. But where there is a spark, we want to follow the spark, whether it's getting our kids into you know groups of other girls doing cool things, whether it's coding or rowing or running, getting girls with other girls to do cool things and also finding in our community who are those wiser women who embody interests that our daughter seems to have and also the values of being a kick-butt female. And this turns out to be so neuroprotective that when girls are 22, 23, 24, they look back on these relationships. Sometimes it's a teacher, sometimes it's a coach, Sometimes it's a family friend. Sometimes it was a poet or a photographer in the community, a woman who taught them how to code. That older adult who took such an interest in them, who saw that they were worthy, who saw that they had something special to offer in this way or that, gave them that sense of mattering. And we have good research to show that we need, in addition to that one caring, nurturing caregiver, which is a boon for life, we need two adults in the community who make us feel we matter. And as adults in this starling parenting era where it's like, I want my kid to get this and I want my kid to go to Yale. I want my kid to, you know, get the a team spot on Model UN. We forget that we came from community and our kids need to know that there are other adults other than their parents who absolutely have their back for whom they matter, for whom what they say matters. And we can do this from our perch as parents and help create that kind of world for our children. We absolutely have to make real world connection in real life, as our kids would say, right? More compelling, more thought provoking, more inviting, full of healthy connection than the online world then the social media world where girls look for that and cannot find it because it is like empty calories. We have to make sure that real in life, in real world connection is full of wonderful vibes of safety and knowing so that that world they're going into is going to be real. None of us are raising kids who are going to exist in an online world. No one I know of. And we have to make that world look really good to them because you know what? Right now, the world that we adults have created for kids isn't looking too good. No, we have really put them on high alert. So what I love about that is also... The thing about resilience in general is that we think of it as this individual trait that rests on a person. And to acknowledge what the research tells us is that it rests very much in community. And Absolutely. it's not, it's so unfair to give accolades for resilience of an individual because the implication is that anybody else who did not bounce back had a shortcoming. 
And so when you bring community as part of this solution, especially when it's, again, actionable, you can help your kids find those avatars. And it just adds more of this sense of flourishing and hope. And also remember that, you know, kids in today's world, I don't like the word resilient. I do slip and use it sometimes. It puts a lot of pressure on the it puts a lot of They're already resilient people. I mean, they're living in a time where, you know, the West is burning and the East is flooding and they go on these, you know, smartphones and the first five things they see on Twitter are like inflamed, hateful, divisive, big, negative feelings and where their parents turn on the news and it's just attack mode 24-7. And gosh, they're 60% of kids are afraid their school will be the next site of a school shooting. I mean, my son is in grad school at Berkeley and a few months ago he called me. So we have a shooter on campus. Like I just you it's not a world which gives them a sense of hope and safety, they are already resilient in the face of it. They are being asked to think about college when they're 13 and 14 and 15. They're being asked to think about, you know, being on travel soccer teams when they're, I can't even remember now. What is it? 11, 12? So young, so young. So young. And so they're already resilient people. We are the ones that have to figure out how to reshape their environment so that they have a chance to grow up with that sense of intrinsic safety and be able to develop freely into who it is they really wanna be without worrying every minute of the day that everything is gonna fall down around them. We're just asking you not to blame or shame yourself for anything you've ever done but to reorient yourself in some of these very small, actionable, and not so hard ways, with a different way of looking at things, a few different words to use in different moments, and some real like actionable things you can do in your own home and in your community to shift the balance so that your daughter's brain can be that adolescent female superpower. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.